Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home? Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing thegrandgroup at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, three-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. On this episode, David and Dan recap the Twins' three-game series against the Oakland Athletics. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is David Kuvis. With me, as always, is Dan Thompson. The Twins take two of three from the Oakland A's at the packed stands of the Oakland Coliseum. Dan, it's hard to get a ticket out there, from what I understand. You know how the camera angle at the Coliseum is always a little weird? Like, it's a little bit farther over? Like, yeah. I, I think that's so they can fit just a couple more fans in the background. Because because I honestly, sometimes I wonder, like, is anybody else here? Is it just those 40 people behind the plate? And it's such a big, big stadium. And to see it so empty is just that must just be so disheartening so we're, we're watching the game and during during one of sanchez's home runs uh, it goes and it lands on those stairs over the left field wall and my wife goes why are there stairs there like that makes no <laughs> sense that there's stairs there so i'm explaining to her how it's also it doubles as a, as a football stadium and like even though nobody plays you, or at least no pro teams play there anymore no, like what a doesn't oh. it give you like flashbacks though to the dome it does and, like how bit. dumb it always looked when they had to like have these seats pushed back like i hated it so much dan thompson that's why i love target field so much because the dome never felt like a baseball stadium like no. i have great memories there right but if you just objectively look at it you're like this is not meant for baseball you look at target field then that's the only thing it's meant for yeah i think baseball has made a right choice uh in what it would have been the late 90s to to make that turn back towards just baseball only stadiums because this is a great a great reminder of just we don't want to have baseball having to share stadiums with other sports and what's strange too did you realize how bad the twins record was at the coliseum over the last 10 years or something like that it was like no it was something like 6 and 23 it was a number that i thought like there's there's no way that they're actually better at Yankee Stadium than they are anywhere else, but they are. Like, they are worse in the Coliseum before this. So the Twins do get a series win. They win two of three in Oakland. They keep their three-game lead in the AL Central. How about that, Dan? Well, with that, let's jump into the series recap. Series recap. So, David, when you score three runs against the A's, like, is that generally going to be enough? Well, you wouldn't think so, but the way our pitching staff has handled themselves so far this season, Dan, three runs is no longer out of the question for a Twins victory. It just, it feels like, and I know that the A's scored a few runs in game two, but it feels like this offense just isn't very capable of scoring a ton of runs in Oakland. The Twins win this one three to one. They get uh, they get a run in the third, a run in the fifth, a run in the sixth. The A's have one in the fourth, but it, even with Archer on the mound, who looked better, I guess, um, than he did, but that's pretty low bar, I guess. I mean, you know, they, they get the win. Yeah, so Archer again pitches four innings, and that's really the question. Like, mm-hmm. is Archer ever going to pitch more than four innings i get that they're trying to ease him back into things due to his previous injury history but at the same time sooner or later you got to let him pitch more than 60 pitches i think so and and you know this is another situation with the win david i keep bringing it up but yenier cano gets the win and i actually thought this was well deserved he pitched two solid innings two strikeouts one hit you're laughing (laughs) you don't think it was deserved it's a coincidence though (laughs) It's a coincidence, Dan. The only know. reason he got the wins is because that's when the Twins scored their runs. Like, you, you see what I'm saying? Right it's, place, it's right time basi- is basically yeah, what he was arbitrary. doing. Yeah, it's arbitrary. Yes, it makes no sense. I, ugh. 
Well, I, he he see, does. He, is, win. It was his first major league is, win, David. We should be celebrating that. Okay, I love how you want to celebrate wins, but you don't want to celebrate no hitters. But so here's my thing, Dan. The more that you bring up this idea that I have about giving wins to the pitchers who most deserve it, the more credibility you're giving to my theory. Because Dan, clearly, clearly, it's in front of your mind. You are willing to think about this because you know, you know, deep down in your heart, Dan, the way that the wins are currently awarded don't make any sense other than the fact that it's there's an objective, statified way to use that stat. But other than that, Dan, you know, in your heart of hearts, you know my system would be better. I do think that there should be like situations where like a guy can be totally unqualified for the victory. Like if he, you know, if let's say Cano here had given up a few runs and then the Twins scored seven runs or something in the next inning to like back him back up. I get that. I, I, I would That's give what it happened to you with Stashek last well. episode. <laughs> that happened with Stashek last episode, Dan. <laughs> I guess I'm proving your point, David. I hate to say it. Um, you are. Yes. Duffy, Duffy does get the save here. He gets his first save of the year. So now the Twins have another guy with a save. But just a, you know, a solid baseball game here for the Twins. Were you surprised that Duffy got the call for the ninth? You know, after Pagan had pitched, was it, did he, he pitched all the games in the last series. I thought yeah. it made some sense. I thought it was good to be able to give Duran the day off. But uh, a little surprised Duran didn't come out there, I guess. I was a bit surprised. But to your point, like the other guys had been pitching. Like, I mean, they needed a day. And so in this moment, if Duffy's fresh and he's ready to go, sooner or later, you're going to have to start trusting him again in these high leverage roles. I agree. Well, then can we move to game two? Let's do it. So game two, the Twins don't win this one. Um, and there's more to say about this and some of the decisions, I think, that were made in this game. But they lose this 5-2. to two. They do, you know, they do have seven hits, uh, but they're 0 for 6 with runners in scoring position, left eight guys on base. And really, the A's didn't, right? The A's, they did leave 10 guys on, but they had those three key hits with runners in scoring position. Uh, they had the big seventh inning that really, it does break the tie. And and the Twins, they rally a little bit in the eighth. It, it looked like they had a good opportunity there, but they, they squander it. Anytime that your starter is only going to give you three innings, it's going to get rough. And like, I understand that Bundy's still working his way back from the COVID list, but it's just really going to hurt a little bit when he seemed to be effective to some extent like i mean he had two walks but he had three strikeouts he seemed to be adequate and hit in the zone but at the same time three innings dan is just not enough no and i think if he's able to go four then that might alleviate some of the problems that winder had in the seventh and you know if you can just get one more inning out of bundy i was also just kind of surprised that winder pitched in my mind he was still in the rotations <laughs> um yes but i realize it's very hard to keep track of who's in this twin starting rotation right now very tricky indeed there was a bright spot to this game though dan lewis who is no longer with the team which we'll talk about a little bit later uh he's down at triple a but he went two for four um with one rbi and he had a great play where he mm -hmm. it was interesting so polanco was sort of i don't even know how to describe exactly where polanco was but he was on the left side of second base we'll say at the very least but lewis cuts off polanco and probably had to make a harder throw than Polanco would have. But I don't know that Polanco would have been able to get the throw off quick enough to get the guy at first. No, because so it was Lewis close. A, it was a really yes, close play at first. But Lewis made a great play. He cut off the ball. He threw to first. He got the out. And you could see him and Polanco kind of talking about it after the fact, which is great. But it was one of those things you love to see that aggressiveness. Um, Sanchez also had a home run, which was in the sixth inning to, to at the time, tie it up. It was a really important hit in the game. But again, just the Twins couldn't quite do enough against this A's staff. Yeah, I mean, anytime you go 0 for 6 with runners in scoring position, that's going to be a problem, Dan. Let's uh, let's go to game three, a very bright spot here. What a what a way to start and end the game. They win this one 14 to 4. They start with three runs in the first, and then they score one in the third, two in the fourth, five in the sixth, and then just for good measure, three more runs in the ninth inning, Dan. What a offensive showing. Yeah, this was actually their first 10-run victory of the season. They only had two of those all of last season. I got to think they're going to have more of these. When you see this lineup as healthy as it was today, Day, right with Buxton, Arise, Correa, Polanco, 
Kepler, Sanchez. Those top six right now, especially with with Kepler now, he's up to 259 on the season, batting with a 789 OPS. We've seen now Sanchez, who, did you realize that he was, I think he's second on the team in extra base hits? Did not know that. Isn't that very surprising? Because it felt like he was had such a slow start, but he has a couple of hits in this game, three RBI. He looks like he's hitting. Uh, in fact, every starter had a hit in this game, and, uh, and gosh, they just kept rolling. Yeah, so a quick note on Kepler, too. If you watch him in the box, he continues to hit to left field. He's definitely figured some things out here because he had a sack fly to left and he had a hit in this game to left. Kepler's looking good. Also, I should correct, Buxton actually did not have a hit in this game. He did get on base a couple times, but he was the only starter who didn't have a hit. A couple other fun notes about this game. Sonny Gray, who started this game and pitched very well, he pitched six innings, his longest outing of the season. He was actually drafted by the A's and went to the All-Star game as an A back when he was first called up to the big leagues, but he had never beaten the A's previous. So it's really fun that he finally got that win. And he even said in the post-game interview, like, he goes, you know, a lot of times guys don't care about personal stats, but I really wanted to have a win against the A's, which is kind of a cool thing to be able to, to, to keep in his memory bank, certainly. It's kind of like Pujols getting a hit against the Cardinals, you know, during his stints away. I mean, like, it is really cool. Yes, and obviously the biggest note about this game is Correa's return. As you had mentioned, he's in the lineup. This led to Lewis being demoted. Again, we'll touch on that a bit later. However, I do have to say, Dan, we had discussed this a couple episodes ago, that maybe Correa wasn't off to a great start. Maybe they should just try turning him off and turning him back on again. (laughs) And Dan, it seemed to work. I don't know. I don't know. It fixed whatever the problem was. Maybe there was a firmware update that he needed to go through, but my goodness. Dan that guy came back and he was ready to go solves everything though it didn't seem to solve coach Watkins at third base here (laughs) do you want to talk about that play here's the deal the twins are up big at this point right they're up like 10 to 2 and one runner scores and Watkins decides to send Urschel a home on what's gonna be a close play when you're up 10 to 2 one more run likely isn't gonna matter and here's the deal Urschel is called safe at home because the catcher botches the tag. He doesn't catch the ball before placing the tag on the runner. So Urshela slides into the catcher kind of awkwardly, Mm -hmm. and he looked like he may have been injured the way that he got up. He was kind of slow to get up off the ground here. But here's the deal. Why are you sending that guy? Why are you sending him in that moment? There is no reason to risk a, a... contact play at home base when you're up by eight runs this guy does not have that many things to keep track of dan he's got one job he does really. not have one job that many things to keep track of <laughs> hold him you're up eight runs what are you doing watkins well and earlier in the game there was a moment where i thought buxton was surely going to be sent going around third because the ball was bouncing around a little in the outfield and buxton was held at third so I don't know, maybe he maybe he has more faith in Urshela right now, or maybe the, the handle Buxton with care movement is that's what Watkins has embraced, right? He's like, just don't do anything to hurt Buxton. That's the one thing that they, that he could possibly do that would, would finally get him demoted from third base coach was if he managed to get Buxton injured. Um, well, gosh. So, again, the Twins win this series, and uh, and they're still on top of the AL Central with a 22-16 and 16 record. David, I didn't believe you that they were going to be in this position. I thought that they were going to have a much more difficult start, but here they are, six games over 500, much so much better than this time last year. Well, with that, Dan, let's go ahead and move to what is what is slowly becoming, once again, my favorite segment, Dan. <laughs> Thompson. Catch them all, Kirby Puckett! Puckett's Picks winner. 
Luis Arise, wasn't it big for you? He had 12 points. I had Buxton. He had two. I got this is the bust week, I guess, for Buxton, the bust <laughs> series. Uh, and Polanco, for the listeners, had just the one. And it was it was the Luis Arise series here, David. So you go ahead and you gloat in your victory here. It was good. I was very, very happy with Arise's performance. I had a pretty good feeling about it. And I like that I picked second and I took Arise and you took Buxton third. And the way that they're going to play Buxton like this, it is. It's going to be high risk, high reward. Two series ago, Dan, it worked out really well for you. You took him. He only played in two of the games, but he scored you a million points. This time around, not so much. I know. So you now lead straight up right now. You have five wins. I have four. The listeners have three. The listeners are in a bit of a drought here. They've been one, two, three, four, five, seven series in a row now without a win for the listeners. So we'll see. We'll see who they picked and maybe they can get back in the winning track. As long as it's not you, David, I'm okay with that. Beast versus Bench. Is losing fun? Is losing fun. I hate when I have to do this, but your guy for Puckett's Picks has got to be my beast, Luis Arise, especially because of his Game 3 performance. He scored four runs in one game, which, let me tell you, David, that doesn't happen very often when a guy scores that many runs. When he's hitting between Buxton and Correa, if he can produce like that, think of what of what protection he's giving Correa and to an extent Polanco a couple batters later. One thing about Arise as well that I wanted to point out, he had a stolen base from second to third in game three before the game had gotten out of hand. Like it was still a relatively Mm -hmm. close game when he stole third base. But the only reason he stole third base is because the third baseman is looking over to his bench coach and the pitcher is paying no attention Mm -hmm. whatsoever. So like he was almost to third by the time they even realized what was happening. So just a great heads up play. That's like a Benny the Jet Rodriguez kind of move, right? Like nobody's watching, (laughs) nobody's watching. And there goes Luis Arias taking third. It has been a while, Dan, since we've had a good Sandlot reference. I'm oh, glad, uh, glad that I'm, worked out. I'm getting a little teary even talking about it. Um, who uh, Who's your beast? So I'm going to go with Sanchez. I, I mean, Arise is a great pick, and I think I gloated enough here uh, sure. with him being my Puckett's Picks winner. But Sanchez, Dan, how great is it to see this guy swinging the bat effectively? And again, yeah, he's probably not going to be a high average hitter, but now he's hitting home runs. He's getting hits with runners in scoring position, which is huge. Just so good to see him swinging the bat effectively. And again, in the games that he's catching, I have yet to see him be a liability behind the plate Dan he's certainly not Jeffers with the glove movement like watching yep, Jeffers catch 100%. a game is hilarious like he I think you, you alluded to this earlier like a ball's gonna be up at the eyeballs and he's like pulling that thing right down in the middle of the zone you know like who are you fooling here Jeffers um like yeah. Sanchez doesn't mess with that but no I agree with you he has not been a liability um so that's super encouraging especially if he's the sixth or seventh guy in your lineup totally agree here Dan who do you have on your bench it's gotta be oh, wait, Mer- whoa, whoa whoa hang on yeah, what? we're in full agreement here. Full Dan. agreement. It's got to be full Miranda. Agreement. 0 for 9, you know, four strikeouts. I, He just, he has not risen to the occasion in the way uh, that we had hoped. He's he's batting 0 94 right now. That is even below the snow line right now. <laughs> People are going to start <laughs> asking for Miguel Sano to come back to this lineup, David. That's how bad Miranda has been. Part of the reason why he's on my bench, Dan, is why is that guy not demoted and Royce Lewis staying up with the big league club? That's my question, Dan. There are reasons for that. Are we gonna let's talk about that a little bit later here, David? Yeah, we we will. Okay, okay. Well, let's keep pushing here, Dan. Rocco's rewind. Rocco's rewind. My bone to pick with Rocco has to do, and we alluded to this in game two, with leaving Winder in for the seventh inning. You know, I I get that you don't have a crystal ball and you don't know how things are gonna go, but here's the deal. You're tied with Oakland, 2-2, and you have all the momentum. You haven't lost to the A's this season. 
I think it's worth using some of your better pitchers to get out of that seventh and make sure that you are in a position then to be able to win the game rather than have to come back in the eighth and the ninth inning. I just thought that was a bad idea. Yeah, it's hard to say because obviously he's not looking to eat up the bullpen arms, but it definitely seemed like Winder was done. He didn't have a great effective outing. And so I think pulling him prior to the onslaught that the A's would lay down on him would have been wise. And like you said, it's really hard. It's easier to look back with hindsight than managing in the moment. But clearly this seemed like one where he he should have had a little bit quicker pull there. Yeah. What about you? Okay, Dan. Here's the thing. <laughs> We're bringing this up again. Oh my I have gosh. taken I have taken a little bit of flack for my position on Buxton. And everyone's saying, well, this guy's an idiot. No, we shouldn't be playing Buxton when he has an off day, yada, yada, yada. This is terrible, Dan. This is terrible. And I think people need to understand what I'm saying because there seems to be some genuine confusion about what I'm talking about with Buxton's usage. I'm not saying that he shouldn't get off days. What I'm saying is rest him when he needs to rest. However, however, if there's a close game and all you want him to do is pinch hit for one at bat, You're telling me his chance of injury skyrockets if he has one at bat in a pinch hitting? He doesn't even have to stay on the base, right? He just needs to get in the box and swing away. I just, I don't buy this idea that one more at bat on his off day is going to kill him and break him. And if that's the case, he can't be trusted on the field anyway then. If that's truly your perspective here, that, well, we don't want him to get injured. Okay, well, let's play him for half a game a series. How about that? Further, Dan, further, what I want to take this a little bit further, when you are up 11-2, to two, for all the concern you have about resting this guy to make sure he doesn't get injured, you're up 11-2 to two and you leave him in the ball game. If you want to rest him, there's a perfectly good opportunity when you're team is up nine runs there's no reason to leave buxton on the field what are you doing if you're that concerned about him don't leave him on the field when you have that sort of lead fans want an ejection there it goes and that was Gardy's gripe you know when i saw the all caps david i should have realized that you were going to get a little worked up here in this moment it's, just, it's, it's not logical you can't tell me that oh my goodness we can't possibly play him for a pinch hitting appearance we'd hate to see him get injured what truly truly show me the odds that show that he's more likely to get injured in a pinch hitting appearance than he is in playing a full game there's no statistics you're going to be able to show me that prove that out dan is it indiana jones that says never tell me the odds or is that han solo i always get those <laughs> characters confused i believe it's han solo actually now that i think about it it's not about odds david all right, so I'm going to I'm going to represent the other side here that you seem unwilling to hear because I believe this has been talked about. So even Jim Suhan wrote in the Star Tribune a pretty level-headed response to Mr. Blabbermouth here and his and his blabbering as you are doing right now. It's really all about making sure that they get 100 games out of him, right? Out of the 162, at least 100 games, and they just they do not want to put him in a position where he might have to. Well, and let me say this: I think your idea that Buxton would just bat and then do nothing else is a bit short-sighted, right? If he comes into the game late in the game, well, he's going to have to go out and play center, or he's at no, least going to run not. the. Well, then you're assuming that he's going to strike out or hit a home run. Like this is a very zero-sum no, calculation you're making. You know how baseball substitutions work, right, Dan? So they're going to take somebody else out after that. Like, is that what you're going to yeah. do? Certainly. You're going to burn your whole bench for one at bat? Yeah, happily. I think that's a pretty rare spot. We've had that instance two times in the last six games, Dan, where Buxton could have come in, had one at bat, and had he got on base, you could have pinched for him. You could have pinched run for him once he got on base. I, you know so, what? So I, if your if your contention, I, I know. Is, I'm hold no. on. Let me let me say. I'm I'm all about like the every game matters kind of thing in baseball. But at the same time, I would rather not risk it now. Let's see. Come August, because I do think come August, hopefully, well, hopefully this plan works, right? And come August, he is in a position to do that. But also at the same time, I mean, this is Rocco Correa supporting him. Like I think. 
think we got to let Rocco do his thing here and, and trust that this is the process. And Buxton is saying all the right things that he agrees with the system. So I don't know why you're throwing a big fuss. Again, I think there's a fundamental misunderstanding from the people who, who are not listening to what I'm saying. Because I think people hear what I'm saying and they think, oh, you don't want to rest Buxton at all and you want him on the field at all times. That's not what I'm saying at well, all. that's Dan. not what I think that's you're saying. What, and I'm no, one of your critics. A lot of, that's what a lot of the critics of the system are saying. And that's not what I'm sure. saying. What I'm saying is even if you're going to rest him on those days, that's fine. But there are moments moments where it is logical to put Buxton in for an at-bat or a pinch running appearance. It doesn't make any sense to me if you're going to have this approach that he can't be touched on these days. There's, he's just as good a chance of getting injured on one of the days that he's playing. David, I think we have to move on to the next segment here because I yeah. think we're, there's no middle ground here with us, David. We're not going to agree. <laughs> I'm just upset that you're not upset about this. Well, That's what I don't I, it's not that I'm not... I just am more level-headed about it than you are. I'm not so worked up. It's a long season, David. I got I to gotta hold back here for a little bit. Minnesota moment. All right. Well, well, speaking of controversy here, David, Minnesota moment. So I'm going to bring up a great moment, and I think it's going to segue into yours. Royce Lewis's home run in game two has just shown me, and again, his really his play in game two shows me that this guy is going to be a good major league player when he's able to have regular time. I'm just really impressed with his poise. I'm really impressed with his batting. I think this could be an all-star player here. We'll look at that. And yet, here he goes, Dan, down to triple A. Well, so you go ahead. All right, so talk about your moment here, because I think it relates. Yeah, so all I'm really saying is that Correa has come back. Clearly, he's ready to perform at a level that we were hoping to have him perform at when the Twins signed him, paying him $35.1 million this year. But he looked very good in the field. He looked very good at the plate after this sort of short stint on the IL. But it's so hard, Dan, to be... It's so hard to have to pull Lewis when he's performing so well. He's been one of the best hitters on the team when he's been up with the big league club. I understand why they're doing what they're doing, but it's just one of those things where it's so hard to send a guy down who's being so effective. It surely is, right? It totally is hard to see that happen, um, especially when Miranda's hitting 094, right? Like, I think that's the contrast here. If Miranda's hitting better, then you can see, all right, well, but it's it becomes so stark here. And I think we, we forget a little bit that playing shortstop is not the same as playing second. Is not the same as playing third base. And we can't, these are not just interchangeable parts. As, but then obviously with the way that Rocco uses Nick Gordon, like that kind of undercuts that argument, like every position is the same. Um, so I, I do, I do agree that it looks kind of messy, but I think the way the twins have handled it has been pretty good. Yeah. With that, Dan, let's, I think that'll segue well into Maurer's musings. I just don't know how it can get any better. Maurer's musings. Sure. And, and this is my question then. How can... Because I think there's got to be a way. How can Correa and Lewis coexist on this roster? What do you think? I don't know. I truly don't. Because clearly the Twins see Lewis as the shortstop of the future, and clearly he's proven that he's up to the task. So here's the deal. You don't want to move a guy around. And like that's what Rocco had said. Mm -hmm. Like The Twins have clearly shown a willingness to do this, to move guys to positions that they're not necessarily comfortable with right off the bat just to get them on the offensive side of the ball, even if their defensive abilities are going to be limited in whatever position they're, they're putting them in for that short stint. But in this situation, when you're talking about a guy who you hope to be sort of a franchise guy along with Buxton, it's really hard if you want him to play shortstop to be like, okay, but here's the deal. For this season, we really want you to focus on third base. And then next season, you're going to be our full-time starting shortstop. So I understand the dilemma that they find themselves in. I'm not sure what the fix is, Dan. I don't know if you have a more unorthodox approach to how to how to give him the at-bats and leave, leave him up at the major league level. So I'm actually going to relate this to Byron Buxton because I think the problem is is the usage of Buxton as the DH sometimes. And they actually, they only played Buxton in center this this series. They didn't actually DH him at all. So I see a window then. Like if Buxton is in theory, if, if they're going to use him in center and not DH, 
then why can't you use Lewis or Correa in that spot? And then, yeah, I don't know if you alternate them, but at the same time, like, is that doing a disservice to Correa, who's a gold glove shortstop, right? Like, that's the difference here. Like, Lewis might, down the road, become a gold glove shortstop, but but Correa already is. So does Lewis... That's the only way I can see it happening in the short term. But then you're not giving Lewis really enough consistent playing time because he, he needs to play consistently because he's played so little over the last couple of years because of injury and a pandemic. So I do think that this is this is the logical choice. It's just hard to swallow because the guy's hitting over 300. When they said that in the clubhouse, there was definitely sort of a, a sorrowful mood among mm-hmm. the players when they found out that he was being sent down. Understandably so. At the same time, though, aren't you happy that it's not like they're not doing this to do some sort of service time manipulation. Right. This is clearly a move that's in the best interest of the team, but likely in the best interest of the player for the time being, knowing that he wouldn't get consistent at-bats at the major league level. And that we haven't even talked about the the elephant of Correa's contract with those options. Like... Now what do you do with your, if you're the twins? Because then you, if you're thinking Miranda is potentially your your longer term or at least midterm third baseman, and you've already got Polanco locked up at second, like does Royce Lewis have to play left field? Like like what are they going to do in that situation? It just makes me think again more and more. Correa is not coming back, and that's fine. Like that was again, I don't think that was ever the idea that he was going to come back. That was a, a last ditch, you know, worst case scenario. Yeah, but I mean, it doesn't stop Bleacher Report from putting oh, out a report. Gosh. Like they're making some groundbreaking report. It drove me nuts. Because I click on this, I'm like, oh, there must have been something. Somebody said something. No, not at all. The industry expectation, Dan, is that Correa won't re-sign. Did anybody not know that? That is code for terrible journalism right there. The industry (laughs) expectation? What does that even mean? Oh, my goodness. It's it's beyond me. All right. Well, anyway, you, you have amusing here, too. Let's talk about that. Yeah, so I guess my question is, I know that they gave Winder a heads up going into this game that in game two where Bundy was starting, that Winder was going to come to relieve Bundy once they pulled him. I wonder how much of that impacted Winder's mindset and performance in this game. Because as you had mentioned earlier, it certainly seemed to us as though Winder has earned himself a spot in this rotation. So to be kind of demoted to a long relief guy, I don't know if I love that, Dan. It's a little weird because it's not like Bundy has been lighting the world on fire the last couple of stout starts yeah and so that's that is my concern it's like well what what kind of message are you sending here to winder like that this is more about clout and and history than it is about you know what you've actually done for us lately i think it's an interesting concept there and i because i do think we talked about this maybe it was off air but previously i think three of the top four pitchers for the steamer rookies very well could be the case as far as winder is concerned part of the reason why this stuck in my mind so vividly i think is because joe ryan had that chance to have a bounce back start right mm-hmm. and you kind of took that away because winder's last start wasn't good and this isn't like he's starting with the clean slate he's coming into the game after granted there were no runs scored But at the same time, it's way different as a starting pitcher to be coming in in the fourth inning than it is starting the game at the first. Mm -hmm. And it sounds a little bit like a Randy Dobnek situation, (laughs) you know, like Randy's gone back and forth, back and forth. And and we'll see, you know, he might come back to this roster, by the way, too, at some point. So it it makes it almost all the more puzzling that they're going to try to invest so much in Bundy when maybe he's not going to even be in the rotation past the All-Star break. Yeah, and we should note, too, that Chris Paddock has now gone down with Tommy John surgery yeah. the second time in his career. Uh, That's rough. Hope he, hope he heals up and he's able to come back and help this team down, down the road in the future. Well, let's do this, Dan. It's time to grade the series. Series grades. I don't know how we can be so far apart on this, David, but uh, 
maybe we're just trying to breathe life into the segment here, but I, I'm really not trying to be contrarian with my grade. What about you? Same, same. So I'm at a C plus. This is actually, you gave them a B plus, Dan. Yeah. And these are the same grades we gave them last series that they beat the Guardians two to one as well. So at least we're showing some consistency, if nothing else. I guess so. I, I went with a B plus because I thought I saw a lot that I liked about this team. They played well. They they I mean they scored fourteen runs. I thought game two probably would have gone differently if, if Buxton's able to play or pinch hit. Perhaps I'll even nod that to you there. They also don't have Correa Thank for that you. game. I just think, you know, anytime you go on the road, you win two out of three. That's a pretty good series. And and the fact that they were able to, you know, especially end with a nice outing from Sonny Gray, I thought that was really, really great to see him go six. Maybe you've convinced me, Dan. Maybe I can bump this up to a B minus. We'll see. And did you see, by the way, that was Sonny Gray's first first win of the season how interesting that that was his first victory and do you feel that that should be that you feel that should be the case dan thompson i think he earned it he definitely earned that one <laughs> ridiculous okay <laughs> let's keep going dan herbie's headline i don't know jack it looked like herbeck pulled him off the bag herbie's headlines so one brief story here dan a fan at fenway he's sitting on the green monster catches two home run balls in the same inning Dan Thompson. Did he turn around and like give it to a kid? Like were any children within reach of this gentleman? It was him and the female who he was with. And I feel really bad for there was a fan to his right who had a chance at both of the balls and missed it both times. So it's a pretty funny replay. You can find it online. But I mean, to catch one home run ball is a fun experience. To catch two is, I mean, the odds are ridiculous. To catch two in the same inning, Dan. How often is that possibly happen? Yeah, that's what are the odds of that? Speaking of odds, Dan, and statistics and things that don't happen very often, Albert Pujols, Dan, moved into 10th all-time in hits in Major League Baseball history. First of all, I think it's really cool that we're watching, again, one of the all-time great baseball players. Like, it's so cool that Albert Pujols, have you seen him play in person? Have you gotten the chance? Uh, yes, a couple of times when he was, it was a, there was a brief time when he, I saw him once when he was here against the Twins. I don't know what year it would have been. And then I went to a, a cards game when he was with them uh, way back when. So a couple of interesting things here. So first of all, Paul Molitor is going to be next on that list. He's only just a couple of hits ahead of him. Um, so he's going to pass Paul Molitor. And I and that might be as far as he gets because Yastrzemski has 100 more. And I don't know. We'll see how long Pujols plays. But an interesting thing, and this is what I love about, about baseball. So Cap Anson is a guy who is not on the list on MLB, but he's on the list on baseball reference. Um, and he played he played a long time ago, David. He, he ended his career in 1897, but he's not counted on the MLB hits list. But he would be on there, too. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how. I mean, how far do you think Albert Pujols can go? Yeah, I think you're probably right. Like, 100 more hits, though, isn't out of the question. Right. Like, I mean, I think it's it's within reason, but it does seem like he's done after this year regardless. So he could still do it this year, though. That's not that's not out of the question. Certainly. I hope he does. I just I love watching baseball history right there in front of us. OK, Dan. Uh, well, let's keep going. Puckett's picks for the upcoming Royals series. And we'll see you tomorrow. Puckett's picks. So, David, the listeners take Carlos Correa. That puts me in a tricky spot because I wanted to pick Correa. He seems like the hot hand currently. I mean, he comes back. He looks healthy. He looks good in the field. He seems like an an obvious first choice, I'd say. So, and the series is the Twins go to Kansas City. They have an off day Thursday, and then they play three in Kansas City. So you'll get like one and maybe a DH out of Buxton. I'm still going to go with Buxton. I just think. I knew you would. I think I'm going (laughs) to. After all the hemming and hawing, I'm going with Buxton, David. I can't pass him up. You know, I want to choose Polanco, but I can't. I can't. And I want to choose Kepler, 
but I can't. I have to go with my guy, Louisa Rise, who's still on the board. I will take a rise for the Royals series. Fair enough, man. Well, any other notes here? I guess we should talk about Alex Kirilov. Um, we, we wish that guy all the best down in AAA. I hope he's able to come back. Um, and Trevor Larnack should be back soon. They're talking about maybe he'll come back even this series. So the Twins are getting healthier. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing this roster when it's at 100%, and they're certainly getting there uh, as time progresses. Quick note, too. Sponsors are Grand Group, uh, with Edina Realty. They have once again won another Minneapolis-St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award win. Uh, so I think that notches actually, I think they're up to five. We're going to have to update our intro. And further, they just got certified as some luxury home specialist. I don't know. They're just winning awards left and right, Dan. They can't be stopped. Well, folks, if you like what you hear, please tell a friend. You can follow us on Twitter at Men for the Win and find our Men for the Win Facebook page. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to be notified when new episodes are available. And if you could leave us a rating, that'd be great. A reminder that episodes are now available on our YouTube channel. If you could drop us a like and a subscribe, we'd greatly appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And as always, go Twins. That'll wrap up another episode of Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, go Twins. Twins.